this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I know that this morning, in fact, I know that this message on the power of the tongue is something that's going to encourage you. We're going to, I'm going to teach this for four weeks. And all four weeks, I have something power-packed in it. And I know that life, there's going to be life change. There's going to be turnarounds, and God's going to do something. Uh, this may be one of the most, this may be the most powerful series um, that we do, and I'm really, really excited about it. But look at, look at um, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20. Proverbs 18 and verse 20. Now, in this right here, this is in the NIV version which we'll read, but I want you to also read up here from the screens. Why don't we look at the screens and just read that all together. Ready? From the fruit of their mouth, let's read it all together. Ready? From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is that what it says? Lord, we just thank you for the team running these scriptures up here this morning. What an awesome team. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, I know this isn't school, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment, and that's I want you to memorize this verse. Come on, let's say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now look away from the scripture and see if you can say it. Ready? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What's in the power of the tongue? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, you can speak death or you can speak life. Your tongue can bring forth death or your tongue can bring forth life. I, I think it's more popular just to say death things like, oh, scared me to death, right? Right? I mean, we, we, we you know, oh, I, it just freaked me out. I'm gonna die. Felt like I was gonna die. I mean, everything's, you know. We, we have all these, these sayings, right, that are just, that are, that are, that, that, that are bring. Now, I'm not saying you say, no, come on. What I am saying, though, is that death and life are in the power of where? The tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. But look at the verse right before it. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and from the fruit of his lips, he shall be filled. Look at the word satisfied and filled. Satisfaction, I can't get no. <laughs> Satisfaction, right? Satisfaction, satisfied and fulfillment comes, notice, satisfaction and fulfillment comes from where? Where? Your tongue. If you're not a satisfied, if, if your soul isn't satisfied, if the inside of you isn't satisfied, it's because of what you've been speaking. 
If you're not fulfilled in your marriage, it's because of how you've been speaking about your marriage. If you're not fulfilled in your job, it's because of how you've been speaking about your boss or your job. If you're not fulfilled in what you do in life, if, you're, if you've lost your creativity, it's because of how you speak about your creativity. I notice that creative people say, uh, they just act as if they're creative and they just say, oh yeah, let's do it. I'm creative, right? Uh, I notice that people that are good with mem memorizing names don't say I'm not good with memorizing names. But have you ever went and you forgot someone's name? You say, um, you're, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not good with names. And then they say, oh, I'm not good with names. I'm not, how many say that? I'm not good with names. Yeah, okay, that's about a quarter of you, yeah. And do you know what? You're not good with names. Why? But I believe why. A big reason is because you say you're not good with names. But if you want to be good with names, what should you do? You say this. Come on, say it. Let's all say it. I'm good with names. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm good with names. Yeah, yeah. See, no, listen, listen. A man's stomach shall be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth, right? And from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. You speak into existence your fulfillment. If you're not fulfilled, it's because it's your fault. You speak it out. I see people that are never fulfilled, but you listen to them and their words are never fulfilled. You have to change it. it, the, it it's such a How many believe me this morning on this? Yeah, it's such a big deal. And how many automatically can think of things in your life that you realize I need to change the way that I speak? It's important. Your life is fulfilled. A man's stomach is satisfied by the fruit of his mouth and the fruit of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. If you tell a little kid that he's bright, he's smart, that he gets straight A's, that you are so good in school. You do so well, Johnny, in school. Oh, you're gonna ace this. You're gonna do really well. He walks in with an open mind, with an open thought, and really believes that he can do it. And guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna do pretty well. But if you walk in and you tell your kid you're stupid, you really, you have a hard time learning. Our family is born with learning disabilities, sorry. You're stuck. Oh, you got that bad grade. Oh, you prop. Well, I wasn't smart either. <laughs> How do you think he starts seeing himself? See, a man's stomach, not only hit your stomach, their stomach's filled by the fruit of your mouth. And you start speaking death to them, and then they start speaking death about themselves. This is what I believe a lot of generational curses, how they continue in life. People say I break generational curses. In order to break generational curses and keep them broken, you need to break generational words that are spoken. We need to speak differently about our generation. I don't care if you were stupid. I don't care if you are stupid. Don't speak that over your kids. Tell your kids, you know, I was stupid, but you're smart. I didn't get it, but you do, right? I didn't get, I didn't get straight A's, but you can, right? Well, I don't want to set them up for, for disappointment. Yeah, but if you set them up for something else, you're going to get disappointment in their own lives. Say it out loud with me. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit. Your life is a result of the words that you've spoken. Now, let me read you a couple of scriptures and show you this isn't just about us. This is how God works. This is how it works in life. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the word. In the very beginning was what? And who was the word we know of? It's Jesus, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, the word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Who's him? The word. Can you say the word? All things were made through the word, and without the word, nothing was made that was made. Everything that you see in life, every tree that you look at, Every, all the grass that you look at, everything you drive by, all the beauty you see was created with words. The skies, the sunsets, the sunrises, the oceans, they're all created with words. Everything is created, the atmosphere, space, stars, it was created with words. Everything was created, and your life is created with words. Words, everything was made through words. Now, we know the word as Jesus, okay? You could just say, well, that, that was Jesus, and he was created. That's true, but I want you, want you to look back in Genesis, and we're just going to highlight some. If you have a Bible, open up to Genesis 1, and I want you to highlight these verses. Listen, Genesis chapter 1 says this, and let's read the very beginning of the Bible. Let's read the first uh, few words here. Ready? Let's say it together. In the beginning, say it, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens and the earth? God. Now he created everything. Okay. Let's look down at verse three. This is day one. He created all the earth and everything that we see in it in how many days? Six, right? Six days, right? Okay. He created in six days, okay? Six days. The seventh day, he did what? He rested, right? Almost rested right there. Okay. He did it. So the day one, here's how God created the heavens and the earth. Here's what he did. In verse three, I want you to look at it. And every time it says the words God said, I want you to just say it out nice and loud. Ready? Uh, verse three. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw, God saw what he said. God saw what he created. God saw that there was light and it was good. And God divided the light from darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So what did God, what did God do? How did God create on the first day? God said. Now, um, when, when the Bible says God said, let there be light, in the Hebrew, there's only two words. There's only two words. It wasn't let there be light for. There was two words. And the words was actually be, like happen. And the second word was what? Light. Like light. Say it. Be. Say it. Light. Be. So in the beginning, there was nothing. And what did God look at? God looked at everything and he said, light. Be. And what happened? Boom. There was light. How was it created? Come on, how was it created? It was created by words. Day two. Day two. Day two, verse six. It says, then, say it, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the water to, and let the, uh, 
let it divide the waters from the waters. And then in verse seven, it says, so God made the firmament. How did he make the firmament? He created. How did he create? He said. He said. He spoke it into being, and that's what happened. Verse eight, it says, and God called the firmament heaven. He said it. He, he spoke it. He looked at it. He commented on it, and then he named it. But he created it. That was day two. Day three, we get down to, or actually day two, look at verse uh, nine. It says, then God said, say it, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth and the uh, gathering together of the waters, he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. So God, it, this earth started with just all waters. It all started with all waters. How did the waters be, how were the waters divided from the lands? God, God spoke. Lands, this way, waters, this way. God said it. He spoke it. Oh, come on. Really, you think that God said That's what the Bible said. If we can't believe that, how can we believe creation? This is how God creates. This is how it happened. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Day three, it says, then, listen, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the earth that yields forth. And verse 12 says, and the earth brought forth grass. And verse 13 says, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Then we get to the fourth day. What happened on the fourth day? Then God said. See, when God was saying he was creating, everything is created by words. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day by night. Let them be signs and seasons for the days and for the years. That was day four. Verse 16, then God made two great lights. One was the sun, one was the moon, right? Day or 17, God sent them into the firmament, the heavens to give light to the earth. One to rule the day, one to rule the night. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and morning were the fourth day. Day five, how did, what did God do on day five? God created something on day five. How did he create? Then God, God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures, right? Let the birds fly above across the face of the firmament of the uh, heavens, and God created the sea creatures. And verse 22, God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and multiply the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day, the sixth day. God said, let's keep creating, right? How did God create? Listen, God said, let the earth bring forth living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things, and uh, the beasts of the earth according to its kind, and it was so, and God made the beast. Then verse 26, how did he create man? Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the creeping things. And verse 27, I want you to see this. So God created man in his own image. How did God create man? God said. How did God create cows? God how did God create grass? God said. How did God create the sun and the moon? God said. How did God create everything we see? God said. When you look at sunsets and sunrises, you look and say, that was all a result of words. It was all words that were in the heart of God and God breathed out words, spoke out words, and those things came into being. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31, skip down to it says, then God saw everything that he had made. How did God make things? I know it's obvious, but I just want you to catch it again. Uh, how did God make everything? He made things with words. 
God saw everything that he made and he said, no, this is good. It's good stuff. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In, verse, uh, in chapter two and verse one, it says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. They were all finished. And then in verse two, uh, which I'll stop here in Genesis, it says in verse two, and the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. <laughs> God ended all of his work. What did he do? He spoke. If you're gonna work on things as being a believer, the number one thing you need to work on is what you speak. So many times we try to just work on our actions. So many times we just try to be better Christians. But can I tell you what you can be better at? You have to be better with your words. The Bible says here in Genesis chapter two, by faith we understand that the world's uh, uh, excuse me, let me, uh, let, let me just say uh, on day seven, and then I'll get to that. Day seven says, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work. He ended his work. He worked with his words. God's work was his words. Can you say that out with me? God's work was his words. Our work is your words. How many would admit this morning that you need to work on your words? Huh? Yeah? How many, how many would at least admit for your neighbor that your, their words need some work? Yeah. Yeah. See, we need to work on our words. And so many times I think that we're asking God to change things in our lives and God's saying, I can't change them unless you change them. See, because I can change things and then you put them right back into place where they are because your life is a result of your words. Your finances are a result of your words. Your family is a result of your words. You say, yeah, but I wasn't dealt good cards. No, everyone was dealt different things in their life. But your words can take those things and bring them into the right, into the God-purposed things. God is no respecter of persons. Can somebody say amen? Whatever God's given you, he has given you the ability with taking his word, with the words and speaking his word and bringing your life into alignment with his will, with your words. You can pray till you're blue in the face and wonder why God isn't answering your prayers. But if you don't change your words, your, the results of your life are a result of your words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, if you don't believe me about Genesis chapter one, you say, well, I know they were kind of just summarizing how God worked. Now I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and I just want to read this to you. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the great faith chapter. It basically is kind of the hall of fame for everybody who did something, or at least some of the featured people who did something great in the Bible. It was the Hall of Fame. But the very first featured person in the Bible, in the Hall of Fame, was God himself. I don't think people really realize that. They always think it was Abraham, or it was uh, Sarah, or it was someone else. The very first featured person in the Hall of Fame of faith was God. And you say, so are you saying God needs faith? Oh, absolutely. So are you saying God, had, God did the same process that he asked us to do? Oh, absolutely. The way that God asks us to live by faith, by believing and saying, is the way he operates. God who gives life to the dead in the book of Romans and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's how God operates. 
The way that God asks us to operate is the way that he operates. He's not asking us to operate some other way. He created us in his image and his likeness, and he said, operate the way that I operate with my words. Okay, so look at this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says this. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the, say it out, word of God. How was the world framed? By the word of God. Or we could say by the words of God. The words that God spoke out is how we see the whole universe and the world was framed by the word of God so that the things which are, are seen were not made of things which are visible. What, and I think that right there would tell us why it's so difficult to comprehend and understand this. Because we think, I'm so used to taking uh, you know, uh, wood and to cutting it and to gluing it and to painting it and to making it into something because I can take something that's seen and make it into something else that's seen. How can I take something that's not seen and make it into something that's seen? That's why it's so difficult. So we just kind of almost dismiss it and say, eh, our words don't really matter. Why? Because you can't see them. But I want you to see this here. It says, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The life that you and I see were made and created by something that was invisible. It was created by something called words. Your whole life is shaped by words. The things which are seen were made by words. And that word, the, the, the Greek word is literally the word rhema. It means that there's, you know, the word in, in Greek for words, a lot of times there's two words. One of them is, is logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's translated, translated as, and then uh, there's rhema. Rhema is the spoken word. So when he says, the things which we see were all created by the spoken word. That's why it's so important to speak out the word of God. When you're not feeling saved, what's important to speak out? Come on, so everybody say, I'm a believer. Just say it out, I'm a believer. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, what if you just sinned? What do you say? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Come on, let's say it out. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Repeat this after me. Say, I'm a believer and I'm not a doubter. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus and not by myself. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, see, that's what you say when you don't feel like you are. Well, then I'm lying. No, you're actually telling the truth. Your emotions are lying. Your mind's lying. Your thoughts are lying. And so many times what we do is we speak what we see rather than speak what God says. We speak what we feel rather than speak what the word of God says about our lives. See, that's called faith. Faith is speaking what we don't see, not what we do see. We're, re we're, we're better reporters than we are speakers. Reporters do, do what? They, they see what they see and they go, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And I, you, you, ever have, you ever have people like, you know people like that? Like you, they come around and they, they always want to report on things and they're reporting on, yeah, did you notice this? Did you notice that? You know, that's falling apart. Did you see this hole over here? Did you see this over here? Did you see this? Look at that. Did you see that? And they're, they're reporters. They're pointing out all the stuff. Do you know you don't get anywhere? I see all that stuff. 
What you need is you need people who see what God says it's supposed to be. Can somebody say amen? That's why you got to be around faith-filled people. You have to be around people who see the potential in your life, who see the potential in your family. And be around those people and, and speak out those things. If your marriage stinks, don't say my marriage stinks. What do you say? You say God has called us to have a healthy marriage in Jesus' name. Come on, married people say, I have a great marriage. Married people, say it again. I have a great marriage. In Jesus' name. Unmarried people who want to be married, say, I'll be married. You didn't say that very confidently. Come on. I said, do you want to be married? I said, unmarried people who want to be married, say, I'll be married to the right person at the right time. In Jesus' name. Listen, wait, wait. Why would you be embarrassed about that? Everyone's taking a next step somewhere. Everyone's on the road somewhere. Listen, those who don't have kids and want to, those who've been diagnosed or have been told they can't have kids, but yet you know God's put kids in your heart. What do you say? I'll have kids in the name of Jesus. Come on, say it. I'll have kids in the name of Jesus. You say, wait a minute, pastor, you're getting people's hopes up. They're going to be disappointed. They're going to be, no, they're going to have kids. I've watched it happen dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times where people who were barren, they were saying I'm barren over and over and over and over and over again. And all they picture is I can't have kids. You know what you have to say? You have to say in the name of Jesus, if God's called me to have kids and he's put that desire in my heart, in the name of Jesus, I'll have kids. You, you, your death and life are in the power of the tongue. Can somebody say amen today? If, if your job sucks, if you don't, if you, I shouldn't be, if, if, if you hate your job, if you hate your job, quit, quit, quit just settling for the job that you hate. Either, either figure out whether you're supposed to be there or not or get another job. Well, I'm stuck. What's with the words? We're talking about words. What do you mean you're stuck? You're not stuck. Are you stuck? Say it out. I'm not stuck. Yeah. Say it again. I'm not stuck. Say this. I don't have to be at the job I'm at. That goes for any of us, right? Say at this church, say, I'm not stuck. I don't have to be at service this morning. Yeah, that's the truth. See, because the reality is, is sometimes we feel like and we talk like victims. You think it's just someone else? No, listen to your, take, a, take your smartphone and record your smart conversation. You talk like a victim sometimes. I'm just stuck. I'm on a fixed income. You know, the economy's bad. The this and that. I don't care what the economy says. By our words. How, did, how were the heavens and the earth created? By words. Things which are unseen affected things which are seen. And then in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. What does it mean? All things weren't only created by God's word. All things today are sustained by God's word. 
See, it's one thing to create the heavens and the earth. It's one thing that's thousands of years later, there's still sunrises. There's still sunsets. I can still, one of my favorite things is to go down to the beach and to stand on those big rocks at the end of the beach. That, that used to be kind of my, my prayer zone. I'd go down to Dana Point in Southern California and I would pray and I'd just stand on those rocks and I'd just, oh, I'd thank God, lift my hands. And, 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 and I'd always want, I mean, I'd wonder, how are these big waves coming in and they're always stopping here? Do you know why they always stop here? Because God said stop there. All things are sustained by the word of his power. And, and we realize the, there's things in your life that you have to say, stop here. There's sickness and disease that you have to say, stop here in Jesus' name. I mean it. You have to tell it to stop. There has been times in my family that sickness has gone through, come through our house. I mean, uh, you know, our family doesn't, we don't get sick very much. We don't, we don't have very much sickness in our house. Um, it, sometimes it'll be months, sometimes it'll be years, and we really don't have a, even a cold. There's not things that really go on very much in our house. But you know what? I say that. People say, you better not say it. No, I better say it. Rather say it. I can't, I don't think it's helping not saying it, right? Right? But all, sometimes, every once in a while, I'll see to where there'll be sickness, and there'll, there'll be something, and someone gets sick, and another one gets sick, and another one gets sick, and another one gets sick. And I realize it's not just a virus or not just something. There's actually something that's hit my house. It may be spiritually. Does anybody know what I mean? It may be something that I realize it's bigger than just a cold or something. And I've had to realize it, and I'm like, how could I be this stupid? And I'll, I'll, I'll wake up. Sometimes I'll grab communion. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll just to remind myself of the blood and the, the, the price that Jesus paid in my life. And I'll just on my own, I'll take this and I'll say in the name of Jesus, I take this and I remember what Jesus paid for me on the cross. And I say to my household, stop sickness, stop confusion. Every once in a while, there'll be confusion. I, I can't remember the last time, but there will just be confusion that goes on. Maybe in a business atmosphere. Maybe there's some transactions. Maybe there's something going on and you just realize there's confusion going on and it's just abnormal. It's, 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 does anybody know what I mean? It's just abnormal. Sometimes you just need to say stop. Confusion, stop in Jesus' name. Stop. You, you, you look unnaturally. You don't, it doesn't look normal, but that's spiritual. That's the way we're supposed to be. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in the heavenlies. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in the heavenlies. How do you loose it? How do you bind it? With your words. You say it, you say stop, and you say go. Sometimes things are locked up and you realize maybe in business, maybe you're in business and everything just seems locked up. It's not like you're not getting results and, and the results you used to get and you don't know what it is and you, and you say, God, am I doing the right thing? You're doing the right thing. Am I in your will? I'm in your will. God, why, are, why is everything locked up right now? What should I do? Loose it. How do I loose it? With your words. I said, how do I loose it? How do you loose it? With your words. And you say, say it with me. In the name of Jesus, I loose. Yeah, you say it. I loose whatever is going on. If there's confusion in the name of Jesus, God is not the author of confusion. I bind confusion. 
Confusion, stop right now in Jesus' name. See, we don't realize that when the Bible says we're not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spirits, demons, things that are out there. I know it's Halloween week and it's kind of a popular week to talk about demons, but they're really true, not just Halloween time. De- the demonic realm is trying to all the time. That's why we don't play and toy with those things. We don't just play. We don't take those things lightly because those things are really seriously and they're serious and they really are trying to take you out. Uh, uh, Hebrews 1 says that all things are being upheld by the word of his power. So listen, all things were created by words. Life is sustained by words. Your words matter. Can you say my words matter? Not just God's words, but your words. Not just God's words, but your words. Say it out again. Death and life. Come on, say it. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. Just point out a couple more scriptures just on one point of your life, and that's this. Your salvation and your eternity is determined by your mouth, not by your actions, by your mouth. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 32, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess. Whoever confesses me, what is that? It's words. Whoever says to me, whoever says before men, Jesus is my Lord, him will I confess. Hebrews 3.1 says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Notice one of Jesus' titles. He says, I'm called the high priest of your confession. What is a high priest? It's someone who represents you. Do you know what God, you know what Jesus represents? What you're confessing. He represents what you're saying. So what are you saying about yourself? Can he, is it something he can represent? Right? He says he's the representative and the high priest of your confession, Christ Jesus. That's who he is. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10. We, I think we know the scripture. A lot of us know it. If you know it, I'll say that if you confess with your mouth, say it. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Notice, how do you get saved? Words. How do you get saved? Words. Words with believing on the inside. Let me ask you this. Can you just believe without words and get saved? No. Why? Because the next verse explains it. For with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made to what? Wait, how do you get salvation? Confession. How did you get saved? Words. So can you get saved without words? No, I'm saved because of Jesus, brother. Well, if that's true, then everybody in the world saved. But is everybody in the world saved? No, it's provided for them, but they have to confess. The same way, there's so many things in our lives that God has for you. I believe as I was going over this, these words that, that this word, that God has so much for each person in here. God has so much more for your lives, for your business, for your finances, for your calling, for your families. And there's hopes that the enemy would want you to believe that they're not alive anymore. He would want you to believe that they're dead. But the reason how he reinforces those things is through words. You'll say it, people will say it, and you've lost hope. 
And God wants us to change our confession. God wants us to change our words. God wants our words to line up with his words about our lives. It's very, very important. Again, the next three weeks, I'm going to be teaching about this. Let's make confessions right now. I want us to make these confessions and just say this out right now. Imagine these things in your mind. Imagine these things. Let me say, when I say that, imagine these things, some Christians say, imagine. Is that new age? No. That's God. That's God. New age took that from God. The imagination is God's. Imagination, creativity, that's God's. I want you to imagine what God has for you. Imagine yourself saved, healed, delivered, set free. Imagine yourself living the life that God's called you to live. Imagine yourself in the place, in the dream, in the thing that God has for you, not your own, but his plan for you. And I want you to say these words out with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. All of my sins are forgiven me. Say it again. All of my sins are forgiven me. I'm redeemed. I'm bought back. I don't belong to the enemy. The enemy has no place in my life. God's plan in my life will come to pass in Jesus' name. I want you to speak over your body right now. Say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to my body and I say, be healed. All sickness, all disease, leave my body in Jesus' name. By his stripes, I'm healed. All mental thoughts, anything that's been spoken against me, I speak the word of God. And I say, God, let your will, which is healing for my body, come to place now in Jesus' name. Sickness, disease, leave in Jesus' name. Let's speak over our finances right now. Say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I line myself up with the word of God, and I don't worry about my life, but I seek first the kingdom of God. So according to Matthew 6, all these things will be added to me in Jesus' name. From this day forward, I will not worry about my life. I will not worry about my finances. I will not worry about debt. Debt is leaving in Jesus' name. Bills are being paid off in Jesus' name. I am free to serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Now I want you to speak right now about uh, your job and your calling in life. Say, in the name of Jesus, I submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus. The job that I work, I work as unto the Lord. I, I don't complain about it. 
I thank you that it's a blessing from God. And God, if this is not from you, lead me to a better job. Lead me to the right job. Thank you for promotion. Thank you that you guide and direct my steps in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that my steps are ordered of the Lord. Thank you that I have wisdom. I don't lack wisdom, but I have all the wisdom that I need in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Let's pray over our family right now. Say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for protection over my family. My family will be what God's called it to be. If you have kids, say, my kids are blessed. All of my kids are taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. If you have a marriage, say, I have a healthy marriage in Jesus' name. If you're single, say, I thank you that you have the right spouse for me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Lord, and in the midst of us calling the will of God out to happen in our life, this is not just some mind over matter where we're trying to catch something. This is the will of God versus the will of the enemy. And sometimes we bound ourselves, held ourselves captives with our own words. But in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person. Would you just put out your hands right now? I pray for every person in here, Lord, that there would be a new openness and revelation to the words that come out of their mouth. Lord, that in this church, that we will speak words of life, words of faith, words of your word. We speak the will of God to happen in Jesus' name. And I want us to pray uh, this last thing for all of us together. I want us to pray over this city and speak words. You know what? The Lord convicted me of stop, to, to stop speaking death over Memphis. When I came to the city, just about everybody I talked to, in fact, we were in Nashville, and there was two or three people in Nashville say, yeah, Memphis, you know, they have an inferiority combo, yeah, no. And I'm looking at them, I'm like, man, you, you better back off, this is my city. I'm talking about. Come on, let's say, in the name of Jesus, we speak over Memphis. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. We pray life over this city. We pray that believers would be raised up in this city. That the gospel would be free in this city. We loose this city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, fill this city with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. And we say to the enemy, off limits, leave. In Jesus' name, we declare this is a saved city. This is a city for Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. And let's pray over this church right now. Listen, um, when I, sometimes I'll stop when I'm praying over Memphis Tabernacle. I, I don't like to see empty chairs. I want to see every single chair in the balcony, all over here. I want to see every single chair filled up. And it's not for pride. It's because there's people who don't know the Lord. I want to see every, every church filled up. But right now, we speak in the name of Jesus. Just say it out with me. We pray this place, we speak this place full in Jesus' name. We say, we call in unbelievers right now to come into this place. We call unchurched people to come in here in Jesus' name. 
Lord, we pray that you would fill this house up with unchurched people who don't know Jesus. And we pray that you would turn them on fire, Lord. Bring them to Jesus, we pray. Bring them, free them, help them to get into their callings, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want us to just make this last confession right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, say, and we're going to confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Someone may be doing it for the first time. Someone may be returning to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. I repent of my own way. And I turn to your way. I thank you for eternal life. Thank you for full life. And from this day forward, I call myself a believer. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.